0: Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then hopefully by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. All right, here we are. We're in the last month of 2019. And to quote every grandmother ever on the face of this earth, time goes quicker as you get older. I know I really did for a second consider doing that in an older woman's voice, but I thought that would instantly be regrettable. But anyways, here we are. We're in December. It's the last December of the decade. That really is a shock to the system to hear that word decade, right? But to celebrate it, of course, I went Black Friday shopping. And by went shopping, I mean that I made my debut at the mall at like nine. I went to the Disney store where you now have to pay $4 for a bag to carry your purchases around in. And then I proceeded just to knock into a combination of people and displays as I tried to continue shopping with this bag, the size of China on my shoulder. Bath and Body Works, they did not know what hit them by the time I got through in there, right? I mean, I think I knocked over no less than three displays. Anyway, maybe you're getting started on your gift list. You're making your way down and just really want to commit to this whole, I will not buy just to buy mindset. If you're looking for intentional, thoughtful gifts that in the most literal sense, just keep on giving, you need to take a look at well-watered women. Now, listen to me when I say they did not ask me to say this. I didn't even tell them I was going to say this, but I promise you, if you just go, we link to it in the show notes, take a look and you will see, maybe you want to get yourself one of these gifts, but they have beautiful artwork, scripture cards, journals, studies, That you can give to the people in your life that really teach you, would teach them what it means, not just to read God's Word, but to apply it to your everyday life. You know, it was the beginning of my senior year of high school when I really learned the power of God's Word in my life. I for sure fulfilled the funny sidekick role to beautiful friends all through high school and into college, and I settled into it because it was comfortable. I had just started dating Ryan, who is now my husband, and very vividly remember Getting a phone call as I was playing snake on my Nokia phone one night, sitting in the middle of my twin bed. And it was still that wild time when you actually answered calls from numbers that you didn't know. And so I clicked answer, held the phone up, said hello, and all I heard was girls making snorting sounds, imitating pigs on the other line. And something along the lines of oink, oink, who are you to date Ryan was said. Now I truly don't remember the exact words, but I remember the drop of my stomach. I remember the sting of tears in the back of my eyes. And I remember not the anger. I remember the shame as I readily believed them. And I was too embarrassed to talk to anyone about it, to tell anyone that had even happened, because what if they believed that about me too? And I cried so hard. I can't even describe to you how hard I cried. And I sat in that sadness for a few days. And then one morning, I opened my Bible really just hoping to find the one who can fill the hole that seemed to just be getting bigger. And I ended up in Psalm 139. Do you know it? If you are unsure who you are, if you are unsure if you matter on any level, if you are wondering if all you tell yourself when you look in a mirror is true, let me share part of this with you. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even the darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. I didn't just read these verses and move on. I meditated on these words. I read them every day for months so that those words yelled through a phone call were silenced in the face of truth amplified in God's word. I knew his word so I could claim his word over every lie. What lie are you believing? Do you know how to silence it? Do you know how to take scripture and use it as a shield from the parts of the world aiming to devalue you? I love this conversation with Gretchen Saffel's creator of Well-Watered Women. Here's no one told me how to stop believing the lies. Uh, go ahead and just jump into a little bit of your backstory, you know, who you are, your family life, what you do, that yeah. kind of deal.
1: Absolutely. Well, I grew up partly in El Paso, Texas, and then partly in Atlanta, Georgia. And at the age of seven, I surrendered my life to Jesus and have never been the same since then. When I was in college, I majored in fashion merchandising with the hopes of impacting the fashion industry for Christ. and finding creative ways to just kind of impact our culture Mm -hmm. with the gospel. And after I graduated, I actually ended up working um, in a boutique. Then I moved to work at a church in Nashville. And at first I worked in the middle school ministry. And then God had it that I would work in the women's ministry at that church and met my husband there. So we got married. And about two weeks after we got married, we moved to Knoxville. And Greg started working at a church plant there at the church we were at. So we were in Knoxville for five years. And during that time, I began a shop slash ministry called Life Lived Beautifully at the time. That's what it was originally called, with the hopes of reaching women, with the hope of the gospel right where they are. And it is now called Well-Watered Women. So we now live in South Atlanta. And um Greg works for Windshape at the Chick-fil-A Support Center. We're huge Chick-fil-A fans. So if you ever see anything, share, <laughs> I'm always. always at Chick-fil-A. Yes. <laughs> and um we have two adorable little boys named Haddon and Nolan. So that's just a little, that's like as brief as I can make a yes. backstory of who I am. <laughs> well, and with that many
0: moves, I'm assuming there are <laughs> way more details to that. But there just are. like
1: three, how long have you all been married? We've been married for seven years. So seven years. Three moves, two little boys. How old are your boys? Yeah. Uh, Haddon is about 15 months and Nolan is four years. Uh, So so sweet. Just
0: (laughs) all of the life change. That's what we were talking about right before I hit record because I knew it would be part of the conversation. It's just the incredible life change that you and you. I was going to say endured, but I doubt that you look back and think, oh my gosh, I wish that had not happened. Because my guess is that you learned so much through those seasons. But, and this is a little off script, but I just love because I know so many of us walk into these new seasons, Gretchen, and we're like, okay, I was just getting comfortable. I was just getting my people around me. I was just feeling good and steady. And now, God, you're saying I'm going somewhere else. So, what were those seasons kind of like for you?
1: They were hard. And I will share in a little bit just, you know, struggles with anxiety that sort of came up later in life, really um, around the time my first son was born. So much change, so much overwhelm. And even just bodily changes, I ended up having an autoimmune disease diagnosed and just a lot of different things. And when my husband and I moved this last time, I was just telling that I found out I was pregnant the night he left to to go <laughs>
0: come back to Come a new job.
1: I need you to come
0: back. Uh,
1: and I was left to pack up our house. Mm. So that week I packed up our house with a lot of a lot of help. A lot of friends came and helped just, you know, in the early stages of pregnancy. And we lived with my parents for about seven months while we were looking for a home because the transition happened pretty quickly. So we weren't able to find anywhere to live. And thankfully, they lived about like an hour, hour and a half from where he worked. So, we lived there looking for a house while I grew a baby. I say all of that because it was so hard. And one of the things that I learned during that season, and I was actually just writing some on this yesterday, but is that Christ is my stability in the midst of the changing seasons. So every single thing can shift and change in your life, everything, in an instant. You know, whether that be through move, transition, tragedy. But the only thing that remains the same is Christ and God's word. And I began to realize as I wanted a home so badly and I wanted stability, I wanted um, at the time, you know, we we weren't able to really join a church during that time either because we were there just temporarily or get involved. and, And that was hard, too. I felt like God was just showing me in a very visible way. Everything can change, but you have my word and it will not change. And that's your hope. And I think that's something we can remember in every transition in life and every season that feels like a struggle is, yes, everything does shift and change. The world is not going to always be the same. Your life isn't always going to be the same. But Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that's the hope that anchors us.
0: And that's when, it's so funny you say that, Gretchen, because I was just studying in Exodus and talking about the Israelites and going to the Red Sea and they're standing there and they turn around and here comes Pharaoh and they panic. And you always want to yell at them and be like, you have God visibly in front of you. Like there's this pillar. It's a cloud during the day and it's fire by night and he's literally in front of you. And then I think about, okay, if they panic when they can visibly see God in front of them, what do we do in our uncertainty and in our fear and in our anxiety? We are panicking just as much, but it's exactly what you said. We know how the story ends. Like if you follow Jesus, you know how the story ends every single time and that his word is our pillar of every day. So I love that you've made it so applicable.
1: Well, and I feel like God is so gracious to, you know, we have these examples in scripture that are like, they're almost like on a massive scale. You know, you think of Abraham and Sarah and they, they're waiting years and years and years to the point where Sarah's just, they're so old, it's just impossible to have kids. And that's when they have a child mm-hmm. or, you know, the Israelites being delivered from slavery, but it's not like they just deliver and go into like this peaceful place, yeah. you know, they walk through the midst of a Red Sea. So it's just, God gives us these big reminders to just really build our foundation on when we're going through situations that feel like that, you know, they don't look like that, but they feel like that. So we do have his word that that is enough in those seasons. You
0: know, we were talking right before we started recording that we have so many... Mutual friends. We have a lot of people that we both know. And I remember I started, I think it was on Instagram. You were Mm -hmm. posting just these beautiful reminders of, you know, God's presence in your life and how you can find him in scripture if you just look, like if you just take the time. And it was so early on, Gretchen. Like I don't think well-watered women, I don't think I don't think you'd even thought about a business side of it yet. You were just trying to encourage and be a light to anyone who was looking. And I specifically remember, I think it was after the birth of like your first, I remember thinking, I wonder if she's going to be able, cause I was in like early in the newborn stage. And yeah. I remember thinking, I wonder if she's going to be able to keep doing this once she has a baby. There was one picture that stands out in my mind, Gretchen, and you were on a blanket and you had your baby laying next to you and you had your Bible open like next to the baby. And yeah. you were just, it was just a picture of like what you had studied that day. And I thought she's making this work. Like yeah. she's <laughs> making it a priority that she's going to continue pursuing. And so I think that's a little bit of your heart behind Well Watered Women. But tell us kind of the road
1: that got you to where you are now. When I was in middle school, I knew that God was calling me to ministry in some capacity. During that time, I really thought it may be like overseas missions or something like that. When I went to college, I, like I said, I majored in fashion um, with a passion to reach that industry or go into places that it's just a really different mission field than people would expect. And you think going overseas, but at the time I was like, I want to go to Hollywood (laughs) and reach people. They're like, (laughs) let's go big. How many Christians are like doing that? But anyways, God, you know, that was, that was a part of my story. And I'm so grateful for that time And I worked in fashion some, and, and then I worked in ministry, but when I was in just one or the other, it just wasn't like, I wanted to pair the two. I wanted to pair showing people, how the gospel really affects everyday life. Though I don't do just fashion stuff right now, I wanted to show people that the way you dress actually impacts a whole lot. And there's a a whole purpose going back in scripture of why you dress in the first place. And then though I grew up in the church, I didn't really know how to study my Bible until my college years and the years after. And once I started really learning that Christ was in all of the word, that it was one story that I didn't have to be afraid to open up the Old Testament, I just felt like my heart was set on fire. And I wanted women to know this as well. I wanted them to crave the Word like they craved other things, but all those other things don't satisfy. And it's Christ that satisfies. So the more I have tasted the goodness of God in the Word, I want people to see that. And and not just in like the easy, you know, Coffee cup passages that we pull out, we're like, oh, but all of it. Like, I want to know all of it. And the same things that you learn and read about in, you know, the epistles. Like, I feel like the epistles or psalms are something that we normally go to. They're a little bit more tangible, but it's telling the same message, the same story that you'll see in the Old Testament. It's the same thing, and God is proclaiming the same message of the gospel. And so, really wanting women to desire that to know it to understand it, and to grasp how it impacts their everyday life. So you know, originally, I thought I'm going to do that just in fashion. But now it's just, you know, I want them to see how it affects the way that they fold laundry and the way that they interact with their neighbor or go to the grocery store or spend their money or get dressed, you know, whatever it would be.
0: Well, and that's what you've made it so easy, almost like, you know, we just said, a lot of times you'll go to like Psalms for just like a couple verses that you can chew on. But what you've done and what I love is through the journals and through the studies that you take chunks of truth and sometimes it's hard truths and you break it down and are like, hey, this is why this is for you. This is why this fits in your life. This is why scripture exists is because just like whatever happened thousands of years ago, it still applies now in 2019 to whatever you're doing. And
1: that, that changes everything. Like I, it changes how you watch the news. It really changes everything. And so the more that I know that, I mean, there's not a day that I read the word and I'm like, yeah, oh, that was kind of been there. done." Like I literally can read the same verse 800 times and still learn from it because it's the only word that's living and active. You know, we've got Libraries of books, but none of them are living and active like the Word of God. So it's, it's, yeah. I could get really. Hey, I'm with, but that's why I
0: love like a journaling Bible. It's whenever Mm -hmm. I was introduced, I think in high school, to a journaling Bible where you can write next to it, it was the greatest thing I think I've ever experienced because I could write what I was learning in that moment. And then years later, let's say I'm studying the same passage and I'm learning something completely different from it. But I'm like, oh, look what I learned, you know, three years ago from the same verse that's so different than what I'm learning yeah. now. So,
1: or you're learning the same thing, but you forgot it. Yeah. And you see that, oh, five years ago, because I actually have my Bible, my journaling Bible sitting out and I date things a lot too when I write something, not all the time, but a lot of times I'll date it. Uh, there was a passage I was in the other day. I think it was like five or six years I had been in that passage at one point during that year and I dated it. I was reading it and I was like, it's the same truth, you know, back then when I was walking through this Mm -hmm. and then the other time. And then now I love my journaling Bible too. Yeah, that's just my
0: favorite way to study. But I know that one of your biggest goals is to create this foundation for women, to know that this story is still breathing life into you. And I know that you interact with thousands of women, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. And what's one of the most like resounding obstacles that you hear most women are facing?
1: Yeah, I think there's a few, probably the same one is just, they don't know how to study their Bible. So we create a Give Me Jesus journal, which is, it's like a quiet time companion, a quiet time. It it gives you a structure and helps you be able to open the passage and study God's word and also practice spiritual disciplines like prayer, Bible study, worship, you know, just those different things. So it's kind of, I always view it as like a training ground, I guess but women just still, they'll just still go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So just the importance of women being able to understand the overall narrative of the word and the breakdown and the purpose of it. That's one of the big things. I can't tell you how many messages it's like, I don't. I just don't know how to study. I don't know. I have this, but I feel so intimidated by my Bible. And maybe they even feel afraid to open it. There are passages that you're going to read and they're going to be hard to read. They're hard to understand, but that's also just learning. If you're going to learn It's not always going to be easy, but it's worth the effort and the time. And we have the Holy Spirit as our teacher as we're reading the word. So that would be one. And then I think time too is another big obstacle and just how social media and our phones and our schedules are just so packed and it can feel out of control. That's another thing is like, how do we use social media to glorify God Mm -hmm. or our phones or live with? You know, joy and purpose in the everyday mundane because, you know, yes, you'll have some high moments, but it's pretty much just the walking in between the highs and the lows. That's what most of life is. And, And so really finding the purpose in those days, too. So those are a few things,
0: I think. Well, and even, you know, going back to talking about how to read the Bible, I know for me, every big life decision, God has spoken to me through His Word. I have never audibly heard the voice of God, but I can tell you when I'm in Scripture, I know almost exactly what He wants me to do and what my next step is is. And I've not done a ton of studies. I've not done a lot of that. I've always just read. I'll pick a a book of the Bible and just read and write. And you said there's an intimidation factor. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so true. I mean, you think if you don't have a theological background, like if you don't know Mm -hmm. all the the roots and the ins and outs of how the the passage exists, that you're not going to get anything from it. And that's just not, that's the beauty of His Word is right. all you have to do is jump in. And I promise you, if you are pursuing His will, you're going to get something
1: for what he has to say. Yeah. And I always think of like, you know, I probably, I don't know if I can count how many Bibles are currently in my house right now, but it's more than just a few. And there's churches that are flourishing all over the world, and they may only have a few pages of the Bible. You know, like that just amazes me. Or Richard Wormbrand, he founded The Voice of the Martyrs, and I love that ministry. He literally would write these like teeny, he would find little tiny scraps of paper and write the verses he could remember because he was in prison and put them up high on the wall like as an offering to God. So I, I think about that too. I think we can forget what an incredible treasure that we have at our fingertips. Like we've got the word of God. And there's people all over the world that are aching to have. I mean, if, if they had a whole Bible, they would just about fall over. Yeah. And, you know, God is speaking in all of the word. So, anyways, that's just that, maybe a little bit of a tangent. But I also think about that too is just what are we giving our time to? I feel like we fill our minds with so much pop culture, TV, Instagram, so much information. And it's forming us and it's shaping us, but we're not giving that same time and attention to the Word of God, which is the ultimate, you know? Well, that just shows that makes your
0: passion behind what you do so obvious. I know you said, I feel like we went on a tangent there, but I think it just shows how genuine your heart is behind what you're trying to do. And, you know, in all of your writing, I've seen several times when you've written about comparison, which is one of those topics that I've yet to meet someone who does not struggle with it on some level. Right. Um, Yeah. But what damage do you see? You know, you've written about the damage it's caused in your own life and the lives of others. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, I think comparison is, I I can't say definitively that it's worse than it's ever been before. But I do think that social media is making it a whole lot worse because before, you know, you'd, you'd only have your certain surroundings that you could see. There wasn't this opportunity um, this information overload, this opportunity to follow tens, hundreds, thousands of people—you know—that are are leading a life and showing their highlight reels, and 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 this is not just in that capacity; it's also in the capacity of you know maybe following another mom friend and thinking oh, her kids just behave all the time, mm-hmm. and then you know getting frustrated with your kids because they're not like their kids, or their husband surprised them with flowers. You know, there, there's so many things you know and yeah. your husband did that day, like that we can see. And if we're not careful and if we're not noticing, like it greatly impacts us in our days. And I think that, you know, this kind of comparison where you're maybe measuring yourself up or down to somebody and it causes pride and envy, jealousy, disdain, discontentment in your life, this is not of God. And comparison really puts blinders on our eyes. It keeps us from Seeing what God is doing in our midst from beholding Him right where we are, it keeps us from walking confidently in God's calling. It keeps us from celebrating His faithfulness. And I often, when I've been speaking before, I've used the illustration of like a comparison stick, so like a measuring stick. And it would look really silly if I carried around a measuring stick all the time. And it would get in the way. Like I wouldn't be able to do certain things. It'd be just make me really clumsy, Like I could just see, you know, walking through the grocery store, like holding your measuring stick or, you know, playing with your kids and you've got it with you. And I think of that as like comparison too. Like it trips you up, it discourages you, it hinders you from doing what you're supposed to do from walking freely. And so, you know, comparison has impacted my own life. Like, you know, probably the most visible example would be when I had an eating disorder in college because it was a very visible Mm -hmm. comparison. But then there's also just comparing like, just even something simple like to see a home blogger and go, I wish my home looked like that. And then all of a sudden I'm on Pinterest or I'm like googling how to. All of a sudden I'm on Wayfair ordering everything just to see what yes, happens. And I'm yeah. Like, Wait a second, where did that come from? I think social media, even like good things, can become something that people can struggle with. So for instance, maybe you're posting your quiet time and you're trying to encourage somebody. Someone else could perceive that and compare themselves. It's not your fault, but I'm just saying it's it's a personal thing too. And so it really goes back to our hearts. Like, what are we worshiping? What is our goal? Are we placing Christ at the center? Or are we trying to elevate ourselves or somebody else? So comparison is huge. And I really think that it exists apart from social media. But I think social media exacerbates it like times a million.
0: It just gives you so many more options to compare yourself yes. to. And, you know, it's not even just the damage. And this is what you touched on. It's not the damage it does to yourself even, which is a lot, but it's just a huge amount of impact. Personally, you made this point, but I think it's bigger than we even realize is what it does to the people in your lives when you yeah. are comparing. So you've mentioned like someone else's husband shows up with flowers. And so you think less of your husband. Because he didn't do that. Right. When really, that's not on him. You know, I mean, yeah. or your kids. Like when your kids don't look like your best friend's kids who just look like they should be on the cover of a magazine, you think, right. well, why don't they look like that? And then you think, oh, but it's my fault they don't look like that. And it's, it's a yeah. spiral issue that doesn't just damage you and personally what you think you're capable of, but the relationships in your life. Maybe it keeps you from even having a relationship with somebody because you think they are better or more worthy than I am. So, I won't even reach out for a friendship or or anything. That's the biggest problem that I see in a lot of the lives of the women that I spend time with is all the avenues of comparison. I mean, you said social media, there's TV, I mean, with all the content at our fingertips, but it's also just like you're walking through the grocery store. And, you know, you see uh, you're wearing sweatpants and a a hoodie. And then this other woman shows up like with her heels and Mm -hmm. and looking like just looking great. I mean, looks incredible. And you think, oh, gosh, what am I? I need to go home immediately. We're just Mm -hmm going to eat cereal because I'm not staying here any longer. But it's everywhere. It is a mindset that we struggle with. And you said it's a hard issue too. But what are some practical ways that we can battle the effect of comparison?
1: Well, I think one, we need to be intentional about the media that we are intaking. So the quantity, the quality, like what it is, and what you are consuming is going to affect how you think, how you act, how you feel what you believe ultimately. And I think that even with social media, we can follow, I'm just to use like a lifestyle blogger, you know, because I feel like there's a lot of those um, and say, oh, I'm following this person for inspiration when really they just make you feel bad about your life every day. You know, like, yeah. so mm-hmm. being very careful about not only what are you intaking, but how is it impacting you? Are you watching a show that is, you know, making you see your life differently than you should be? Or desire things differently than they will be. And I think that that's huge. I mean, like it may be turning off Netflix or stopping watching a show that you're watching or, you know, unfollowing certain people. And this isn't just all on those people, like it's on protecting your heart. We are called to guard our hearts. Why? Because they're the wellspring of life. So if you're letting junk in or all of these different things in, And that's what's going to come out. And so the first thing is be very intentional, like be a noticer. You know, if you're intaking something and you're going, wait a second, I didn't realize that was making me think less of my husband or um, want more things. You know, so be also notice how it's affecting you too. The second would be just to know God's word. Like you have to know God's word in order to be a woman of discernment. Memorize it, meditate on it. We memorize and meditate on so many things in this world that shape us when really it should be God's word that shapes our thinking. And then gratitude. So one thing I've, and this was kind of cool, because it goes back to what you said earlier, but I have been memorizing Psalm 136. And it's the passage that over and over it says, it says, thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast lavenders forever. You know, it'll say something that God does or has done. And then it'll say like an interlude his steadfast love endures forever. And it has been so cool because as I'm continuing to not just read it once, but to meditate on it, to memorize it. And he talks about passing through the Red Sea. He says, you know, to him who, the one that delivers them, his steadfast love endures forever. And then it says to him who, let's see, and made Israel pass through the midst of the Red Sea and in his steadfast love endures forever. And so I just think it's so cool because those are some of the moments that it brings up. It's like, those aren't necessarily the moments you think, oh, God's steadfast love endures forever because you could be afraid or anxious. But those are the moments like it just shows you that in everything, God's love endures forever. So really just being grateful Mm -hmm. and having eyes to see what God is doing in your everyday and saying it out loud, noticing it. And then the other thing I would say is to pray over people you're comparing to and make it make it a practice to pray, maybe to take a step back and to realize there's nobody who has a perfect life other than Christ who lived on this earth. You know, all of us are living in imperfection because of the fall and to pray over them because though their feed may look perfect, though they may be posting these things, there's no way that their life is, is perfect behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, praying for them, praying that, that they would, if they're not a Christian, that they would know Christ, or if they are, that they would find hope in their identity in him, you know? So maybe taking it backwards and going, no, I'm going to pray for I'm going to pray for this person mm-hmm. that I'm comparing myself to right now, or I'm going to be thankful for the good thing that's happening to them. Maybe you're trying to get pregnant and somebody posts a pregnancy announcement And maybe it is one of those things you need to go, you know what, this is hard because this is something I want, but I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to praise God for what He's doing in their life and trust Him with our story. So I I think it's stuff like that too.
0: You know, I had forgotten until you just said it, the power of, and it sounds cheesy. It does, especially if you've been in church or if you've had a growing relationship with Jesus for a long time, you like, oh yeah, obviously. But the whole praying over someone. I just remember in college, I struggled a lot with that comparison piece, and I still do, but it it really stands out to me in college. And I remember I would specifically, I don't even know why I started doing it, but I would pray for the people that I was comparing myself to or jealous of or wanted something that they had or felt unworthy of. And it was really hard to sustain those feelings when I was praying for them. Yeah, I mean, even in my professional life now, I think about it. If I struggle with anyone, when I pray for them, it's really hard to have any negative feelings toward them when I'm praying over their lives. So there's a lot of power in that that is so easy to forget. But, you know, I just recently noticed, mainly because it was so pretty and then I had to know more about it, but you released a study recently called Unshaken. Yes, it's a journal. A journal, yes. sorry, a journal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that your goal with it was you were seeing these moments of anxiety and uncertainty and knowing that you had fear, and you wanted to just pray scripture over those. But I want to hear a little bit of the backstory, because I know there has to be one, because I don't think you just randomly choose something and do it. I, I genuinely, No, I don't. <laughs> I know, I can just tell... From the way that you have even built this whole business that you're so in tune to what God's trying to teach you through these seasons. So tell us a little backstory to your Unshaken journal.
1: So Unshaken was born from a long stint of anxiety and fear and pretty crippling at times that I felt so taken back, like, wait a second, I have been a Christian for like 20 years. I shouldn't be struggling with this. You know, I I know what to do. And there's a whole lot that goes into that. But God really began to show me the power of prayer and that. And not that prayer is like this magic formula. You know, you pray and then your anxiety goes away. It's, It's a continual prayer, a continual surrender. And I'm a big journaler. I've been journaling since middle school. And as I was journaling these prayers, kind of like a progression was every time it would kind of come out the same way, like, Coming to God in confession, you know, confessing God, like, I need you. I'm I'm struggling in this um, or even confessing sin before him. And um, so coming in and confession and also just saying like, it, it's all based off, off of Psalm 55 where David, he comes and he, the first thing he's saying is like, God, you know, have mercy on me. My heart is in anguish within me. So he's confessing that to the Lord and then surrender. So naming the things that are burdening you. And I think this is something we don't do enough is the burdens of our heart weigh us down so much. And we just don't even realize it sometimes until we're talking it out with somebody and we go, Oh, I didn't realize I was so worried about X, Y, and Z or about this that happened with this person or that we really want to have a baby and it was affecting my anxiety or, you know, all kinds of different things. And so to cast every burden on the Lord, you've got to name them and know what they are and be able to say, God, this is yours. So. Writing that down. And I, I've been using the journal longer because it just came out. So I, you know, I've, we've had it and I've been using it. And I love just looking back and seeing the things that I'm constantly surrendering and the things that God's doing. And then you preach the truth to your heart. And this, <laughs> I, I feel like this is so big. Like in order to preach the truth, you need to know the truth. And in those moments that are so hard it's going to be hard to pull up the truth. And that's the importance of memorizing God's word. And I think it's good even to have maybe a passage you go to during those moments. Like you always just run back to this place and it's just this like, okay, God. And um, Psalm 42 has been one of those for me. I've just prayed that so many times and memorized it. And I just love it because it says, you know, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. I'm hoping God fresh will again praise Him, my salvation, my God. And I just love that so much. And I love Psalm 13, too, because it's so honest. The psalmist, I think it was David, just says four times in the beginning, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? And that's something that we ask so often. And it's only six verses, but in the last verse, it says, Yet I will praise you because of your, you know, because you're faithful and your steadfast love. And so this journal is all about like, especially when in the moments that you are anxious or fearful or worried or overwhelmed, a lot of times you just lose. It's like your brain just becomes, I don't know what to do right now other than feel this. So I wanted to create this kind of structure for women to go, okay, I have this space. I'm going to go, I'm going to proclaim who God is. I'm going to confess, surrender, preach truth. I'm going to pause Right now, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to pray. And so that's the whole, it walks you through Psalm 55 in the beginning. And it has a space basically where I pulled out a bunch of scripture you're supposed to go through and just kind of work through to hide that in your heart. So it's even a reference to like, you know, the journal starts out with saying, God, you are. Sometimes we're like, I don't know who you are right now because I'm so worried. So go back to that verse and go, oh, I see right here. Like God is our strength, you know, or God is trustworthy. So, yeah, that's kind of the point of it.
0: You know, you talk about, and I just want to get practical for a second the memorizing scripture. And I think it's Mm -hmm. something where I know for me, I feel like I know quite a bit of scripture, but I struggle to memorize exactly where it is or exact, you know, like the word for word. Yeah. And so, what are some just practical ways that you teach yourself and discipline yourself to memorize these pieces of scripture so that they do? Because it does what starts as, you know, a discipline of, okay, I'm going To memorize this, I'm gonna remember it. it becomes a habit to where this is what comes to mind every time. Right. Yeah. Just what are some practical ways that you do this in everyday life to equip yourself?
1: Yeah, I write it down a lot. So when I'm praying or using my Gimme Jesus journal, I'll, you know, maybe have like a specific verse that I'm focusing on and I'll just write it down every day or read it out loud, listen to it. When I was in high school and college, I was like that nerd who you know, made note cards for everything yes, to memorize. I feel that. And, I feel that. Oh uh, yeah, I still I, it's it. You know what's really bad is I still have some of those note cards. Like I, I still have you, some of like, my. Gretchen, why can't we throw them away? Why can't we? Is it because
0: we work so hard on them? I don't know, but I'm the same way. I just have them look, in a pile. I still have notebooks
1: <laughs> yes. from high school and college, I and I too. I can't get rid of them. It I is know. just. I'm like, Gretchen, come on. We're flirting with hoarding
0: here, Gretchen. I mean, we're going to be on that show. We're going down a dangerous path.
1: So ridiculous. It's hilarious. Well, but I, you know, whenever I was memorizing, I would put like the name or a trigger word for what I needed to know on the front of the card and then on the back of the card. And so in college, I did that with scripture memory. So I'd put like, you know, Isaiah 4110 on the front of the card and then the verse on the back of the card. So We created a a scripture memory journal in our shop that is basically like it's like a small note card thing that's spiral bound. So you can do that. You can write the reference on the front and then you flip it and on the back is the passage. So you can like take it walking. And so I use that a lot too, because it's just compact, easy to take with me. And a lot of times when I'll write down the passage to memorize, I will also write down the truth that I need to remember from it. I just love
0: how easy you've made it. I mean, you have truly thought through, okay, this is what I know so many women are having a hard time with. And here is how God breathed life into me in that season. So I'm going to share it with you. I mean, I just love, it's just such a simple thing that you're making it so much easier for women to kind of grab hold of. But, you know, for whoever's listening today, and let's say they are in those seasons of anxiety and they're just sitting in the fear and uncertainty. And to those who maybe feel that forgotten or undeserving and unsure. What are just some of your encouragements that you've learned along the way that you can share with them?
1: Well, I hope that if somebody's listening right now, they already know that they're not alone because when you're struggling, especially as a Christian, I think you can feel even more alone, you know, afraid to go tell people that you're struggling with anxiety or fear because, you know, they may say, well, you need to just pray about it. Yeah. And you know, and I'm like, it's a lot more complex than that. Like I've seen a Christian counselor um, and I still see a Christian counselor. Like there's counselors in your church. There's wise pastors or mentors. So just to know that you're not alone. The struggle is not new. And also, if you do read your Bible, you're going to see that you're not the only person that has walked through fear and anxiety and mm-hmm. uncertainty. I mean, the Israelites did all the time. And, you know, when you read the Psalms, how good God is to include the Psalms, and even there's a Psalm, it's Psalm 88, it's like, it begins sad and it ends sad. And I think it's so cool that God ordained for that passage to be in Scripture, because sometimes that's how it feels, you know, and, and yet we know in all of the Bible that God is good. So... You know, I, I think realizing that when you read the Bible, you see God really is, He's always been with His people in the middle of their struggles, and He will part the Red Sea for you, just like He did for the Israelites. But just because He parts the Red Sea doesn't mean you don't have to walk through it, you know? So I think that sometimes we're like, we want God to part the Red Sea, but we forget they had to walk through it. I mean, like, I don't know visually exactly what that looked like. But I can only imagine like that was kind of scary. Absolutely. Yeah. Like there's what I mean, I'm guessing there's water on both sides. Like you've seen like those VBS. Yes. You know, like, you're things. wondering you're like, at what, fish, what point is fish this fish water coming it? back? Can the fish come yeah. at me right now? Yeah. Right. And then they get through it and then the water does collapse onto their enemies. And so I think just to know that just because you're feeling anxious or fearful, it doesn't mean it's the end of your story. It doesn't mean that it's your identity, but it can be an opportunity to know Christ some more To love His Word more, because I know that I rely on His Word so much more because of that season of struggle. So, um, I did mention those those passages, like Psalm thirteen, Psalm forty two, Psalm fifty five. There's so many other passages, but when it comes like the Psalms, I really love those. So, and then seeking fellowship in the midst of it, it can make you want to isolate yourself. And sometimes seeking fellowship is the last thing you want to do, but a lot of times it's the most important thing you want to do. And then to just remembering that, you know, Psalm 23, like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, I always think we forget the word through, like it's through it. There comes an end, you know, it's a shadow, it's a valley, but there comes an end.
0: You're not just on one side of it and then lift it up and put on the other side without anything in between. Yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah. So remember the through, like the valley is not the only place you're going to be. It is a place. It is something that everybody walks through. But because of Christ, like we have hope. Our story doesn't end in the valley. Well, and you know, you're talking about the Red
0: Sea and the Israelites, and I've just been living in Exodus and like just the whole Moses' story mainly for Mm. months now where like God's just taught me so much through his life. But I love that what you just said, that they had to actually walk through it and that God Mm -hmm. initially when they're crying out to him, it's almost like he genuinely just says, why are you crying out to me right now? I mean, go. I've got the way already planned out for you. And it's the taking the next step that I think is kind of scary and that this fear and anxiety can be paralyzing and not you don't want yeah. to move in any direction. But I love what you're saying in the sense of just know what your next thing is, like just your next tiny step. You don't have to know the outcome. You just have to know what your next step is and if that is getting in the word if that is the scripture cards that you've already prepared like prepare for these seasons now Yeah. so when you're in them you know exactly what the next thing you need to do to keep moving forward is and I think that's what a lot of what Well Watered Women does is here are your next steps here is a clear way to go when you can't see which way to go so I love it so much Gretchen I'm so thankful for you and just you know we end every episode with one question And that's what's one thing you are so happy someone did tell you about. This can be anything.
1: This is going to be, this is my nerdiness coming out. But my friend introduced me to the Scribd app like a year ago. And I love it so much. I I I don't even know what this is. I'm excited. I know. Well, if you like to read. So um, you sign up for it. It's like $8.99 a month. But for as many books as I normally buy, that's actually a really good price. And so you can just find like any book and you can read them and listen to them too. So I love it because I, I mean, I have, I just pulled it up. I have 137 titles saved. And I just want you to know, I'm not reading all those. I was going to say, have you read all of those already? No, I wish. I don't have that much time. I know, who does? But I love that I can pull up, you know, because we can use our phones. Like We just pull up social media and start mindlessly scrolling, but I can pull up a book. You know, it's just like a more, uh, a book that's going to stir my affections for Christ. Or you can listen to books too. You can listen to sermons. But I also love too, like I can pull up books for my little boy when we're in the car. Yes, Gretchen,
0: I know that I'm not alone when I say how extremely thankful we are for you and your vision and your passion behind what you. you do, because it is just so obvious and it's contagious. And I think that's the key to anything that God's going to spread is that He has just made you such a contagious uh, share of truth. Thank you. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at cehala. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.